everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. As always, we have another awesome episode for you. Before we get into it, though, I'd like to talk about our sponsors. As always, our main sponsor for Season 2 is Modus Nation, so please check them out at modusnation.com. Ben and Lindsay are always working on new designs. They're always coming out with cool stuff. They're always supporting their community, always finding new ways to, to give back. So please uh, support them, buy some shirts, buy some stuff from them, whatever they have, just buy it. You know you're going to like it. Plus, you're supporting a good company, and a lot of their proceeds go right back into the veteran community and into the, the local community. So please check them out. They definitely deserve your support, and they're generous enough to offer a special code, which is nothing owed. So please use that code NOTHINGOWED at the ModusNation.com online store for a special discount. I know you're going to get some awesome stuff. Christmas is coming up. Holidays are just around the corner. Please uh, buy some stuff. Give them your support. They definitely deserve it, and they are generous enough to support this show and help us uh, keep everything going. So uh, check out ModusNation.com. also like to talk about a couple of our other friends of the show just to help them out. Uh, they do help us in different ways. But uh, Mark Miller, Winfield Watch, awesome guy awesome products, please check out winfieldwatch.com. They just released a new field watch, which is an automatic, which is awesome if you're into watches. Not that uh, quartz watches aren't cool, but a lot of people prefer the automatic movements, so please uh, check them out. Definitely stepping up their game as far as different uh, variations and uh, different styles, so please check out Winfield Watch. And also, Grindops Coffee. I'd like to talk about them. Aaron's doing an awesome job. He's another one that we like to really help out as much as we can. He's doing an awesome job supporting different charities. He's supporting an, an awesome canine charity that uh, helps canines that probably would have otherwise been uh, been put to sleep. So please uh, please check out Grindup's Coffee. And if that's not good enough, Grindup's Coffee is also a uniquely roasted coffee. Aaron isn't just rebacking coffee from you know from another vendor. He's actually putting the designs out there. He's actually saying, I want this coffee to be flavored this way. So he is actually putting in a lot of work to give you an awesome cup of coffee that you can't get anywhere else. And he's an awesome dude, very generous, but awesome company, former law enforcement officer. Actually, he's uh, just recently recently retired. Um, so special uh, shout out to him. Hope he's enjoying his retirement and his uh, new ventures. But please, uh, Aaron Meza, grindopscoffee.com. Please check them out. And also too, especially with the holidays coming up, uh, Cranky Veteran Candle is another one that we like to talk about. They are doing an awesome job. They're actually making candles cool. You know, a lot of people think that you buy a candle and go to the Target or whatever and just buy one off the shelf. But with Cranky Veteran, they're actually putting a lot of thought and effort into making their candles. They're made by hand. They're made by them. And they're using some healthy ingredients. They're not just toxic chemicals that you're burning into your house. You're actually buying a, a candle that's not going to harm your health. So if you have allergies, if you have different issues with other candles, the Cranky Veteran candles, chances are, Definitely going to be better for your health. They're going to smell better, and you're going to be supporting a small veteran-owned company that's in America, which is awesome. So please check them out. So with our sponsors taken care of, now it is time to turn it over to me. Let's start the show. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. As always, you're here with Ben and Brian, and we have another awesome guest for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk to James Kent of Rogue White and Blue Apparel. James is an awesome guy. He just recently enlisted in the Army, as well as he started his own clothing company. And the best thing about that company is he is making all of his products in the United States. So he's a very patriotic guy, doing patriotic things. And really, I can't think of anything better. He enlisted in the Army to serve his country. And he also started a small business, which focuses on patriotic clothing that is made in the United States. So 
that's an awesome guy. I want to hear a story. But before we do, I want to turn it over to Ben, check in with him, see how he's doing. So, Ben, how you doing? What's new? Been pretty good. Family's good. Uh, I'm just sitting here drinking my uh, Grind Ops coffee. Nice. Uh, you know, getting ready for this this one. I met James. Uh, we did a Modus Nation did a, a a booth at a at the gun show a couple months ago, and we met James and his wife, and uh, just kind of hit it off. He has a great brand, a great vision. Um, in fact, his I bought one of his coffee like tumbler things. It's like my favorite coffee mug now. I don't leave home without it. So if you're listening to this today, you got to make sure at the end you go get uh, a T-shirt or go get a coffee mug. But um, it's it's a cool brand. He has good ideas. Clearly, he's an Army vet, so that's cool. Uh, you know, not a Marine or an Air Force doofus. But, <laughs> you know, he's, he's an 11 bang bang infantry guy. Um, dad trying to run a business, be a stay at home dad. He's got some interesting stuff. So I'm excited. His, his, uh, his story is pretty cool. So he's a pretty energetic guy and, and started a business from ground up. So exactly what the listeners want to hear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This will be a, this will be a good one. So with that intro, James, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, if you could give us a quick background, kind of where you got started and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So James, it's all yours. For sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so, gosh, I mean, where do I start with, this is a brand new company. Um, we've been around for about two months now. Um, obviously, we did a bunch of stuff on the back end to get to that kind of launch date. Um, gosh, I'll, I'll start where kind of the whole idea for Rogue, White, and Blue emerged, because it came out of a really honest, authentic place. Um, in this sense that my wife and I, we love the outdoors. We love camping. We love hiking. We just, we love getting outside as much as possible. We're those people. We're, you know, weekend warriors. I'm a weekend warrior because I'm also in the National Guard. But when I'm not doing the drill thing, I'm always out hiking, doing crazy stuff with my wife. Um, but we love going into stores like, you know, REI, for example, lots of other local outdoor gear stores we like going into. Yeah. And we're really into like those like cool t-shirts, mountain style design t-shirts, um, cool, like just outdoorsy type gear, you know, that has that fun theme and kind of lifestyle. Um, and there's a bunch of cool brands out there. You know, I don't want to put any brands down, so I won't name, you know, put any names on those, but you guys can probably imagine what I'm thinking of here when I sure. go on to talk about this. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of brands that, you know, they, they're, they don't have any patriotic stuff. You know, my wife and I, we love America. Um, we're, we're super pro America in the sense that, you know, what, we're just, we're grateful to be born here and the opportunities the country's provided us. Um, we don't think America is perfect because no country is perfect, but when you look at all the other countries around the world, we're just super grateful to be American. So we love, we love pro America stuff. We love American flag hats, that sort of thing. So we go into outdoor gear stores and I remember there's a couple of times where we're like, Hey, let's look for some cool patriotic stuff. Some cool, like mountains with an American flag, yeah. you know, designs like that. And we could not find a thing. Like I it started to become a kind of like a mission of mine to go into every little store and look for anything patriotic. I couldn't find anything. And finally I found like something It was like a hat I think I had some cool, like fish and the American flag. Yeah. And then like, I looked at the tag and like, it just came so like authentically to me. Cause I wasn't like checking to see if it was made in America. I was just kind of like a curious glance and it, you know, it was made in, I don't know, it was China or Vietnam or something. Right. And I was like, it just, it hit me. I was just like, man, if there's, if there's an American flag on it, I want it to be made in America if possible. 
Like I understand the clothing industry is really difficult to make stuff in America. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, I filed that kind of away in my head. And as we kept kind of perusing different stores, we were like, we developed all these cool ideas for designs, um, cool patriotic ideas. So we started kind of devising designs, working with some dudes that are better at graphic design than me. Kind of in our little friend group, we started to emerge this little brand. We're like, yeah, this is like a patriotic outdoorsy brand, you know, kind of like, kind of more of like a conservative side of Patagonia-ish, you know, right. just more like, yes, America, but not not like grunt style either, kind of somewhere in between that, right, like right. grunt style and Patagonia, just outdoorsy fun stuff. And uh, yeah, we came up with the name Rogue, Rogue White and Blue, you know, go out, the landscape is rogue. It's a rogue idea to do American made stuff in the outdoor gear brand, lifestyle industry. So we kind of cool. sent it with that. We started off just like with friends and uh, it became like people started asking us for more stuff. So we're like, let's start a site. And it's uh, it's taken off into like my part-time slash full-time job now. So that's awesome. Um, sorry, so, it's kind of a long story. I'm like, ranting. no, no, that's, per that's, that's a perfect place to start. Cause that, that's why you're here. Uh, I'm curious though. So from the time you had the idea until the time you started selling products, how long did that take? I would say like the actual idea, like the name hadn't come to us until okay. um, early 2021, but I'm i I'm an old guy to be getting out of basic training, but I got out of basic training yeah. last you December. You got to talk about that too. <laughs> yes. So the idea was kind of before that, you know, okay. we had done some fun like sticker designs and sold them like online, but not as like a real business um, before that, you know, did like you have, Instagram and stuff. Did you have a plan? Like, did you ever prior to that? Like, did you think did you ever have any idea of like starting an actual business or was it always just kind of like a hobby? Like what was your, your it was process? more of like a, it was more of like a creative like outlet more okay. so I guess it was more of like a passion project. Like we could do this, you know, sell a few stickers. Um, and, and we did okay with that, you know, and then kind of uh, my whole kind of army extravaganza started. And when I got back, um, I don't want to skip too many steps here, but when I got back, I felt I just felt so much more motivated. My vision was a lot clearer in regards to where I, what I wanted to do business wise. Right. Um, a brand new kid too was in my life. So I think that, I think he brought me a lot of clarity into like how I wanted my work life to look my work and personal life to kind of intertwine moving forward. So, um, so you're, you're, kind of, you're 30 years old now. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you went to college and stuff and you, and, and you had a, what we'll call a real job, right? The, um, yeah. you know, a, yeah. a nine to fiver, you know, you're grinding out hours. I mean, yeah. did, did that, I mean, while you were doing that job, I'm curious, were you kind of going, I mean, did you have that entrepreneurial spirit? Did you think, man, you know, I really, after I've done this, I, I you know, I've seen what it's like to grind away on the, on the clock. Right. I want to have my own company. Were you kind of thinking that then before you enlisted? Cause I mean, for our listeners, James enlisted into the uh, Oregon national guard in like as a 30 year old. So he didn't start out as a 19 year old. He went to, he did the college route, went to corporate America and then said, I got to make a change. Right. So, I mean, were you grinding away thinking that and that entrepreneurial yeah. spirit was. I, you're, you're, I'm glad you brought that up because a hundred percent, you know, I worked as a district manager for a retail company. So I would, I had started at this company in college, part-time promoted to assistant manager, to manager, to managing a bigger store, bigger store. So I got promoted to a district manager. So it was, that was my career job up until this point. <laughs> and a hundred percent, especially the last two years, I was starting to think, I was like, man, I'm putting 
my heart and soul into this, into this business, which is great. I'm super grateful for all the opportunities they gave me. Um, but I'm an all or nothing guy. So I was all in it. Like all my emotional energy was in it. And I started to kind of wonder, I was like, what if I put this much energy into my own thing? Like, could I make that passion even more authentic and really just like full send and actually make a real business? Um, but obviously I kind of danced around with that idea because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew it was something in the retail and clothing side of things. So that's all my experience, you know? Um, I really wanted to open a store. So I kind of looking and I like before I even had a clear idea of what my brand would be, I was looking into like, what would, what would it be like to open a store? You know, just like right, open a right. store, carry a bunch of different lifestyle brands, et cetera. Obviously it's a really expensive route to start. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was definitely just that entrepreneurial spirit has always, always been in me. I think that's why I was able to promote my way up so fast within this company. Cause a lot of like, you know, like corporate America is corporate America, especially when you get into that kind of like, you know, corporate side of things. Like once I became a district manager and I was doing a lot more overseeing of other store managers and really evaluating sales and doing margins and product buying, et cetera, um, you start to, uh, it's, it's actually a little bit more entrepreneurial thinking about it than I think the stereotype of corporate America gets. Um, because like, a lot of corporations and a lot of big companies out there, they, they get a bad rap. I'm not backing up all big companies, but there's a lot of good people that do work for some big companies that are looking for people with ideas and they're people with ideas and passion to work them way, their way up. And I, I really do attribute my kind of all in attitude. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I definitely give everything my all that I do. And I think I attribute that to my success in that job, but it, it was there where I was like, you know, you start to work with a bunch of other people and there's corporate policy, et cetera. And you're like, what if we did this, you know, but it's, it's not my company. That's not the route we're going. You know, I'm just right, the guy that right. I need to kind of push our, that was kind of the big thing for me is like, at the end of the day, they definitely gave me a lot of leeway to do my thing, but kind of not being able to like fully have control of the direction of the company was, you know, that's, that's something that I think anyone who's, who's really ambitious, like working their way up, I, I think everyone starts to think that, you know, they're like, well, what if yeah, we did well, this? And there's, you yeah. know, there's, in my experience, there's, there's different kinds of people. I mean, I, you know, I, I've run an insurance agency, for example, and there's, you know, the staff that comes in and they just want to know I'm getting this paid this amount per hour or salary. And I come in and I clock in and I do my work and then I turn it off and I go home, you know, at 459 turn the computer off. And I don't think twice about it. You know, I just go home and they're great workers in the world. We need those kind of people. Right. But, but when you're an entrepreneur, you're always antsy. You're always, I had somebody yesterday call me and uh, I'm an opportunity guy. Um, I was sitting with a, a guy in, in the t-shirt business and he, he says to me, you know, you're an opportunity guy. And it really kind of hit home. I went, you know, that makes sense. Like that's what an entrepreneur is. You're always looking you know, not necessarily for the next deal, but you want to create opportunity and then put your heart and soul into that opportunity to try and make it work. And then if it doesn't work, you move on to the next opportunity, you know, and it's just, it's a different, it's a different type of personality. I'm sure there's some psycho babble that, you know, title for it, but you know, it's, it's just a different mindset. Um, and, and that's kind of what the podcast is about is the people that are, you know, sitting 
maybe in a corporate job or something and they want to start a business and just don't know how to do it. Right. So talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Like talk, how difficult was it for you? I'm in the, I'm in the same business you are, so I understand it, but, but how, how much fun did you have when you went, when you went, Hey, you know what, hon, I think we should do some t-shirts. Let's go get some t-shirts. And then you decided to do American made and then you couldn't find, you know, how fun was that? Talk us through yeah, you know, your, so that process. Was, I'm, I'm like very thankful that I have my wife on my team because she's the perfect, the perfect balance to me being kind of erratic and super enthusiastic. As you guys can tell, I get really excited and I send it on ideas and she calms me down and, and brings everything back to like, okay, like, let's look at how much we're spending on X, Y, and Z. Let's look at the quality of the product. She's so much more like the level headed side of things and i'm more the idea guy and i do understand that like i I understand where my weaknesses are in regards to being very entrepreneurial and in in going after it and sending it on the business side of things but it was uh yeah starting it was like it's you know you're, you're spending money there's really no way like there's so many things you see online like nowadays like i scrolling through Facebook or Instagram where it's like, you need $0 to start up X, Y, and Z, and you can be taking home $6,000. I'm like, no, there's no way. Maybe one guy somewhere made that work. I don't know. Most of us aren't that people, you know, and uh, aren't that person. Um, Yeah. You got to, there has to be some level of investment. And I I do think that there's some balance. You don't have to put in, you know, your life savings, um, but you definitely need to put something down. There needs to be, a risk because if there's not a risk, then there's not a reward or a motivation, right? It's, there's no motivation to get outside of your comfort zone. Right. Like for example, like when I met you at the gun show, like two months ago, right. It's like, you're standing there, you know, trying to like talk to people about your brand. You need to stop people and get out of your comfort zone and and talk to people you don't know about your brand and actually explain to them why you started your business, why your business is great and why they should maybe think about purchasing something from you. And that's for Honestly, anyone, even outgoing people or people that are people, people, you know, uh, right, that's right. a hard thing to do, you know, but when you have that, that actual financial investment and that emotional investment, which those two things are like, make no mistake, I believe intertwined, a financial and emotional investment, like those are big, you know, if it's and, not, you're a sociopath, <laughs> if yeah, it's not the yeah. same thing. Yeah, exactly, if you don't, yeah. 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 So you having the risk is actually a good thing and letting it stress you out a little bit, at least that I've found is kind of a good thing. You know, it well, is I mean, a guy that's a guy that's way smarter than me once said that, you know, everything that's good is hard, right? There's nothing, you know, and like you said, there is a guy out there whose dad left him a bunch of money and then he put it into a business and that business just happened to work. And he, you know, he's driving around in a Maserati, right? But for the rest of us, you know, having the pain and going through the ups and downs, it's like anything and everything in life. Doing that makes it more and more worthwhile. You, you're invested in it. You're accountable for it, you know, and it's it makes it just so much more rewarding. Um, and and, you know, I, I would tell any listener that if, if you're doing whatever it is and it's just easy and there's no challenge, it's probably not working. You know, it's, yeah. or, or it's dead in the water, you know, but that's funny. You know, my wife and I were laughing. So my, I'm, I'm a sales guy. I'll talk to anybody. Clearly I go on a podcast with Brian just to talk all the time, but my wife is, is 
the most antisocial social person in the world. And she's, she's the most loving, caring, kind. We'll talk to you all day, but to do what we were doing at the gun show, that's way out of her comfort zone. And we were kind of listening to you behind us and, and you had a sales pitch where you would stop people and you would, you would say, Hey, have you ever seen our brand before? Hey, you've seen our brand, right? And, and people would stop. And (laughs) so I apologize when we see you at the gun show in November, we will be using your sales pitch. Uh, <laughs> Great. It's an open-ended question. Yeah. Like, Hey, I mean, and sometimes people would say they'd see my brand before. And I was like, this is the first time I've been here and we've been around for two months. Yeah. I haven't seen my brand. Before. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Of course I didn't say that, but it's a great open-ended question to just, you know, just to introduce your business. Yeah. Hopefully and, and as I hope we get stuck next to each other again, you know, but for the listeners, we, if you've been to a gun show, you know, it's a big, like big hall, right. Uh, big convention hall. And there's tables lined up with aisles and there's two t-shirt uh, companies in the entire gun show and they put them right next to each other. So we were sitting right next to each other. And then, you know, by the end of the, the end of the show, we were, we were cross selling, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. Just like, so I People mean, people were asking I, me to like see my deuce nation stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. And like, you it to them. They're like, how much is this? I'm like, I don't know. That's that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I hope I hope we're next to each other, but I hope we're not next to each other. Uh, I think you're going in November, right? Um, yes, not to the Rocky Mountain one. It's uh, I think Crossroads. I think I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping we see you up there. It's a it's a good yeah. time, but yeah, man, you're on the gun Yeah, you'll probably yeah. run into me. <laughs> yeah, your your sales pitch was awesome, man. And it was just like you said, getting out of your comfort zone. It's the hardest thing. I mean, and. I mean, outside of what you and I are doing, trying to train people, you know, I've my whole adult life outside of the army has been somewhat sales oriented. And, and, um, I tell people all the time when, when we're hiring them, I I've never really looked at a resume. Um, when I'm hiring salespeople, I, I tell people, I just want to talk to you, come in the office. Let me talk to you for a minute. In about 10 minutes, I can figure out, cause I can teach you everything you need to know about insurance or, t-shirts right and teach you everything you need to know about our product whatever that is what i can't teach you is to get out of your comfort zone and be able to talk to people and so anytime i've ever run a big organization or had to hire somebody in a sales role people come in and you know and they start rattling off their resume i don't even look at the resume i i say hey come on in sit and talk to me for 10 minutes and in 10 minutes i can tell if if it's worth the time for me to teach you about my product so that you can go sell it you know it's 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 a it's something you can't teach that getting out of your comfort zone and being able to do it. You can force yourself to do it and you can get better at it, but you know, if you don't have that ability to again get outside that comfort zone and do something that's totally against human nature, you know, it's it's and I don't care what the internet does, I don't care what COVID has done. In fact, I think COVID is done the opposite. I think we were going down a road where everybody wanted to bank online. Everybody wanted to buy their groceries online. Everybody wanted, you know, Amazon, which is a curse and a blessing. I think people are starting to, now that we haven't seen each other for a year, people are starting to go, well, I kind of want to go to the store again, you know, and, and I always, my wife makes fun of me. I, they, everybody calls me old. I, I take my check to the bank. I don't, I don't want direct, I don't want direct deposit. I want to take the check, 
or the cash or whatever it is. And I want to go in and talk to the lady behind the counter and interact with people because it's, that's how business is done. Period. If you know, people do business with people they like and you know, anyway, I'm getting off track there, but. No, but that's, that's true. People, people buy from people first and foremost, they don't buy from, you know, maybe once you get as big as Nike, you know, or Adidas, yeah, you're buying from a company. But even then, even then Nike shoes, you're buying LeBron. You're buying a yeah. Kevin Durant shoe, you know. I mean, or that's, you could be in the store and it's a great salesperson. I mean, yeah. really, when you interact with a, with someone who's passionate in any line of yeah. work, it could be an entrepreneur, it could be someone that works for a big company. You sense it, and you just have this almost human instinct to want to support them, yeah, because they're passionate, you know, especially so small business. Yeah, if, if you're at the gun show and you're sitting there with a frown on your face or you're looking at your phone. Somebody may come by if you have a commodity that, you know, like an, an ammo guy. For, that's a good example. Yeah. <laughs> the ammo guy at the gun show probably doesn't need to have that much of a personality. Everybody's coming to buy ammo. If you got the good deal, they'll buy it. Right. But, sure. you know, other than something like that, you know, if yeah. to get somebody, especially what you and I are doing. Right. And what Brian does, like to to get somebody to buy our podcast or to buy a T-shirt from us, they're buying us. I mean, we we both have great designs we have great shows and we have an amazing guest list, but people generally tune into what, hear what Brian and I have to say about, you know, perspective on whatever and vice versa on the, you know, from a, people do buy your cool design. You got to have cool design, but the people were stopping at the gun show because you stopped them and said, Hey, I'm an interesting guy. Listen to me for two seconds. And then they want to buy from you because they're trying to support you and your family. It's, it's a fact. It's, People do business with people they like. Yeah. I think also, too, maybe people... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, they either buy for the person or they buy for the the image, too. So, you know, that's part of it, too. Even if you don't know the person, you're also... You're buying an image that you want to present to the world. So, you know, whether whatever your brand is, you can either align your your personal side or align the the brand and people are going to support it. It's kind of the same thing with Nike, too. I mean, I think people are buying... They want to be athletes. They want... You know, they associate certain things with Nike. They associate certain things with, you know, Land Rover, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I want people to think that's who I am. Well, generally, too, when you to your point, Brian, when you're trying to when you buy a product that you're trying to portray some sort of persona, Mm -hmm. it's generally because somebody we consider famous or somebody that we consider an excelled athlete, you know, something like that has worn it. You know, some company paid that influence. That's why we have influencers, right? Somebody paid LeBron James to put on a whatever. And and then you go in your mind, you're going, I'm going to buy that and that product because that makes me look cool because that's a cool thing. You know, it's, that's what, that's what the whole influencer, you know, society is all about. You're absolutely right. And like, here's the thing. I think, you know, going back to people, doing things they're uncomfortable with I, I think most people and i really believe this most people are awesome i mean most people like everyone's got you know bad sides and good sides but when people actually go out there and they project their good side to other people you know sometimes you don't always want to you could have a bad day etc but when you kind of fake it till you make it even in those situations most people are awesome like they really are if you really think about it um, agreed i think agreed. we live in a world i don't know if it's social media or if it's just it's probably like this before social media you know, like social interactions and people are super concerned with how they're projecting themselves and how they might come across. And, 
you know, once you let that go a little bit, I mean, I, I think it's the sky is kind of the limit and letting go what you think your downfalls are. Cause, and, and it doesn't mean don't recognize those downfalls. Like for example, I can tell you guys right now, I do not read my financials nearly as much as I should. And I should know them a lot better. I just talked to my wife about this and it's something I continue to struggle with. I need to know my margins. Like I, I shouldn't even be thinking about my margins before I say them. I should just know them immediately. So the number side of things, she just kills it at. And I lean on her way too heavily for that. And she'll, she tells me vice versa. She's like the sales side of things, the product design, all that stuff. You're so on top of, she's like, I need to not, you know, we both need to balance each other a little bit and be able to check each other a little bit. But we I, should I think, both know the whole sides of our business all encompassing. But that that's, I think a good point though, too, in that everyone has their strengths and what you're doing right now is you're building a team, right? Yeah. And, you True. know, yeah. I think everyone knows that uh, Lindsay, you know, handles the social media for, for the podcast. And frankly, I'm terrible at it. You know, it, she did more in a couple days as far as getting new followers and creating new designs, like she did more in a few days than I've done in months because she's so much better at it than I am. And mm-hmm. it was one of those things. It was like, it's hard to give up certain things. Cause you're right. You do want to know how to do things, but at the same time, it's almost like you can't do everything. So you kind of have yeah. to, you have to find that balance of, okay, if I'm going to run this company, do I want to, does the company, is the company going to function with me in it? Or is it still going to function if I'm not here? And it's almost thinking at that next level to say, well, Maybe I don't need to know everything, but if I can create a system where everything kind of knows itself and I have people in place, you know, not to say your wife is, you know, an employer or anything, but in general, yeah. right, you create these systems where it's like, okay, I don't know everything, but at the same time, if I have a system in place that takes care of it, then that's even better because now you can grow your business. So when you get huge and you're selling to Bass Pro Shop, it's like now you have a system in place. So it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's hard to find that balance between yeah, doing yeah, everything you're, you're in the weeds right. versus kind of getting that 30,000 foot view and just kind of guiding the plane a little bit. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a like, fun conversation. Like, yeah, no, for sure. As opposed to being good at something, you want to be yeah. great at it as opposed to being like, okay, I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. And then you're just mediocre at everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And yeah. I mean, just like any, any sport team, right. You know, there's one quarterback is, you know, Tom Brady's a great quarterback, but he would be, would he be a good lineman? Yeah, probably not. He could do it, I'm sure, but he wouldn't be great at it, you know. And it's kind of the same thing in business too. No, 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 no. Tom Brady would be good at it. Well, okay, let's maybe let's pick. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wouldn't have been a good lineman. Is that fair? Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, Yeah. Tom Tom Brady could. Tom Brady could probably fly the space shuttle if you asked him to. In my opinion, you sound like figure it out. Like everyone underestimate him, and then he'd like somehow figure it out. If you said today, like, hey, Tom, we're going to need you to fly the space shuttle to uh, to the moon tomorrow, and we're going to need you to figure out how to, like, spacewalk out onto the moon and reenact the moon landing, right? Tom would go, hmm, all right, let me watch a little film tonight. Uh, I'll see you at the launch pad at, at zero 09. This sounds an awful lot like the Superfan yeah. skit from Saturday Night Live. Uh, I, remember, remember that? Yeah, that bears. <laughs> Mike, who would win Mike, Mike Ditka versus uh, the entire NFL? Uh, Mike Ditka would win by 172 points against the entire NFL on the other side. Yeah. You know, yeah. This, this is what this sounds like. Yeah. I'm not even, look, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not a Bucks fan. Uh, I'm just, uh, I think once you prove to the world that you're the greatest of all time in your sport, you know, yeah. you're the man. 
and you could be an astronaut. Yeah. So Tom, Tom, if you're listening to the <laughs> podcast, we'd love to have you on to talk about your NASA astronaut, you know, aspirations. So just come on, Tom. <laughs> Actually, I will clear the phone lines right now because I know he heard that and I know uh, I'm calling here shortly. Let me know when I need to get off. You guys, if Tom's on. Yeah. If Tom calls, we're, we're going to have to cut it short. And uh, I'll understand. And, and in fact, I don't call him Tom. I call him Mr. Brady. Uh, so <laughs> when I when I usually talk to him, it's Mr. Brady. I love it. My wife's from Massachusetts, so she's a huge Tom Brady fan. She I like love literally. It. She it was like a couple of years ago. This is actually before I went to the Bucks. I remember she woke up in a panic and I was like, what, what happened? And she's like, did Tom Brady get traded? And I was like, what? You dreaming about Tom Brady? Okay. All right. Oh man. I can't take it. So tell us about, uh, let's take a step back, man. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, we have a big veteran following, um, not everybody, but, you know, probably 50 or 60% of our guests are, have been in the armed services or, or, or a first responder of some sort. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, you went in, which is very unusual. Um, you went in very late in life. Talk, talk us through that and about how your family has served, how your parents instilled, you know, the need to serve in you uh, and kind of walk us through that. I think our, our listeners would, would love to hear that. Yeah, so my older brother's uh now he's a retired Green Beret. He served 20 years, 11 combat tours. Um Jeez. he's 10 years older than me. So when he enlisted, he enlisted. I I think he actually did the uh the whole deal where my parents needed to co-sign with him. I think he was 17 when he officially signed his enlistment papers because he was just too young to make the decision on his own. So he had to have my parents do it. Something he knew that he always wanted to do. So I was eight years old when he enlisted. So Joe was kind of, his name's Joe. Um, he was kind of always the legend, kind of in our family. You know, he was, he was, he was out there like literally fighting a war and coming back. We'd see him once in a freaking blue moon, usually on like when he did show up for family holidays and stuff, he would just show up and we had no idea he was coming. So he kind of grew up the legend in our family. We all uh, were big on his service. Um, you know, but I did grow up in Portland, Oregon. So I kind of came out of Portland, you know, kind of as, stereotypical Portland as you would you would think I had super long curly hair I was definitely much like peace love skateboarding hippie um <laughs> I decided to go to school at the University of Utah and I went to school there four years got my undergrad in psychology um I didn't go into the psychology field it was my plan to but I'd been working for a company a retail company actually during that time and had worked my way up by the time I got out of college and decided to kind of stay with those guys um and the army service thing was kind of always kind of, it was bouncing around in my head because I was super outdoorsy. I really liked to test myself physically. Um, it was kind of something that I was always batting around. Right. But I was like, no, that's just not, it's I got long hair. I'm just like a snowboard and skateboard and hippie. It's not my thing. Um, it's just, and I kept kind of, as the years went by, I was like, I'm too old now. I was like, I should have enlisted when I was 18. Like my brother, like I'm not, that's not something I can still do. Um, until I left my, my big boy serious job, uh, uh, when I was 20, it was late twenties and, uh, had kind of jumped around from job to job after that. And I knew I needed to change it up. I knew I needed to do something to kind of get myself out of my comfort zone. Um, I'd never held a rifle before, you know, growing up in Portland, I'd never, I'd never gone to shoot a gun, honestly, before I got to basic training. Like when they issued me my M4 at basic training, 
I didn't even know how to hold. I literally held both my hands out just right in front of me. <laughs> they were just like, what? You? Yeah. Drill sergeant yelled at me, of course. And I was like, I have no idea how to. Hold and then he said, then so he said, you're from Oregon, huh? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. he's like, wait, what, what state are you from, boy? Yeah. He's like, where are you from, son? I was like, Portland, Oregon, drill sergeant. He's like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Makes sense, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so they had a blast cutting my hair, too, so that was pretty, you know, being an old guy, too, I stood out. Um, but, yeah, it was something I always wanted to do. The service side of things was important, but also just I think that 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 little nag in the back of my head that was like, like, can you do it? Can you do, can you go to all that training stuff? Do you think you're physically capable? Like, why don't you just go prove it? There was like that little prove it voice um, that I think is the same, like we talked about earlier, that same kind of entrepreneurial voice that's always been in my head. Like, well, if you think you can do it, why can't you just prove it? So that, that voice just got louder and louder and louder until I was like, okay, I'm going to do all enlist. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to, I'm going li- to enlist. And uh, I did. Um, I got out of basic training last, um, so OSAT training. I got out of that last um, December. I graduated December 19th. Um, it was the 21-week right? cycle. So I don't know if anyone listening's, uh, you know, done the the traditional 14-week OSAT training, but they extended it. So it's 21 weeks now of good old Fort Benning. And uh, we did it during COVID. So it was peak COVID. Like, you know, like I, I got to Fort Benning late July in 2020. So it was, it was a freaking mess because Fort Benning, I think, had been almost completely shut down for a couple months at that point. And then they opened the floodgates. So there was like thousands of people. I mean, we all got COVID almost instantly. There's just no way to do any of the social distancing stuff really in that scenario. I mean, we all kind of knew it. We hmm. kind of pretended to do it. You know, all the leadership there did their best to make it happen. But we all got COVID almost instantly. Um, then we had to do some quarantining phases. There's like a red, white, and blue phase. They called it yellow phase was the quarantine phase. So I didn't, but once I got to Fort Benning, I didn't start actual like day zero of basic training for, gosh, I think it was 25 days. Um, Yeah. That's uh, my son went to Fort Benning last July. Same time. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he's a 19 Delta. He's a Cav scout, but he, but he, same thing. He got to Fort Benning and then it was like, he was calling us and like, yeah, I'm in this like transitional period where I have to stay in these barracks. And like, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to get into the next class. Like the classes are smaller, you know, and he didn't know what, if he's going to get into a platoon to start training or what, but same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it's the only experience I've ever known. So it all felt crazy, but, you know, talking to guys that have obviously done that before we're like, well, that's, yeah, you were in way longer. Like your basic training portion was so much longer than it normally was. And that on top of doing the the new 21 week cycle. So yeah. Yeah. Did that. Yeah. I was the same thing. I mean, I, when I went to basic training, I got off the, I got, I left St. Louis, got on a plane, you know, landed at Fort Knox, a drill sergeant came and got me. They put me in a room and like the next day, you know, they were cutting my hair. We were moving on, you know, like that was it. You know, there wasn't a God, bunch of sitting around and, you know. I wish it had been that because I remember like 15 days in, I was like, what the hell did I sign <laughs> up for? We were just like locked, locked in a bay. You know, they'd throw us in MREs. <laughs> we, we were literally just in the bay all day. No time limit, obviously. They didn't tell us anything. We were just brand new Joes. So, yeah, yeah. we had no information. We we're like, are we going to like ever start training? Is it even happening? Like, you know. So, I mean, did you have any like, any assignments or anything? You're just in a squad bay, just 
just chilling basically yeah, like a- we had random like like obviously like cleaning assignments and yeah. stuff like that um we'd form up every now and then but like there was really i i think they were still kind of playing it by ear too like the drill sergeants and the leadership were still figuring out what they were doing during this whole quarantine period wow. where we were going so it was uh yeah it was pretty wild pretty disorganized and crazy there was just so many people yeah. uh, oh so it was like a petri dish there huh at fort benning like it was uh you were just yeah. basically in a squad bay, like Brian said. Yeah. And yeah. How was yeah, that I mean, though? It was, it was it was crazy. Cause especially it's like you just have obviously a bunch of dudes, you know, a lot of these guys were were younger than me. They'd never been, you know, away from home before or without their cell phones for that matter. So you have a bunch of dudes from all over the country, we're all packed into a bay. It's kind of chaotic because like, I mean, of course it's always the grunts are always gonna outnumber the number of drill sergeants, right? But in this case, I was like, I don't see a drill sergeant. Any, it's just a sea of random dudes everywhere. So it was, uh, it was crazy. The bays were like beyond max capacity. Um, we did a bunch of COVID tests during the the, the first, you know, 20, 20 days, twenty five days or so. A um, bunch of people came up positive. Um, in the beginning, they were sending people to camp, a place called Camp Kelly. So Camp Kelly was like through the uh kind of the, the private news network everyone's like camp kelly's awful it's terrible but they, it was basically it actually turned out to be like people coined it private's paradise because people would go there for like two weeks they would get their phones they'd be able to contact their family because they had covid you know uh they were able to like order food and stuff like a lot of the dudes were doing uber eats and all that so uh they they would kind of rejoin the rest of us in our quarantine process once they were done and they were like, yeah, that was great. We had our phones and we ate great food the whole time. We're all like, are you kidding me? Why didn't we get sent? So You're like, here, here, lick my eyeball. <laughs> I was like, dude, I mean, it was crazy. I kept showing up negative constantly when I was there. And I was like, that dude, like, like I wrestled that guy yesterday. You guys said he was positive. Like he was sweating on me. Yeah, yeah. I, so, <laughs> that's so funny. I don't know, man. Apparently uh, it's, I, I've had it, but like, I don't know. All those tests were negative for me when I was at Benning. So I like, I like your story. You were telling us about getting uh, at the recruitment center when they were like, Hey, you know, you're a college graduate and uh, you know, your ASVAB test, you, you, you pretty much pick an MOS, man. Like you can do whatever you want. And you're like, well, you know, I, I like to hike. I like to carry a pack. I really like to be in touch with nature, you know, be outdoors. And, you know, and then they were like, yeah, that sounds great. 11 Bravo, you know, 11. That sounds exactly like the infantry. (laughs) It's exactly what it was, but they're kind of like, are you sure this is what you want to do, man? They're like, you, you left your corporate job. You know, you have a college degree. You want to be in, want to be in the infantry. I was like, yeah, that's the only thing I want to do. And I had talked to recruiters in Utah. So they were like, dude, our, we don't have infantry here. There is no, well, there's no infantry in the National Guard. Um, in in the state of like, Utah. In the state of Utah, there is no yeah. infantry for the National Guard. Yeah. Um, the reason you chose the National Guard, like, you, why'd you choose the National Guard over like Army Reserve? Any, uh, any preference, any reason? Um, I think it's, I mean, honestly, I, I, the reserve did not have a unit close to my parents because okay. I actually enlisted in the Oregon National Guard. That's where I should start because that's where there's an infantry unit. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Portland, as I've told you guys. I still have a bunch of family there. So I kind of saw it as a way where I, you know, I'm still living in Salt Lake City. I could fly back and stay with my parents. I knew that there was a unit right there in kind of the Gresham, Portland area. Um, so I was like, I'll see family once a month and just go there. I believe I had looked at the reserve 
um, if I'm not mistaken. And there wasn't anything like super close okay. um, to where my parents were living there. So that's kind of what, yeah, it's what sent me to Oregon from Utah. Cause like, that's, everyone has to wrap around like their minds around that a little bit. They're like, why are you in the Oregon national guard? If you live in Utah, but it's, it's the infantry thing. I was like, if I'm joining it, it's going to be infantry or nothing. So I live in Utah and I made it work. Very cool. Never thought about going uh, officer route, you know, get a commission. You know, I, you know, I, I haven't really, I've kind of like batted around the idea as I've met like a lot more officers through, uh, you know, through this whole, you know, army thing. And, right. uh, I still kind of like what I'm doing. I drive like everyone awesome. in my unit that knows me kind of crazy. Cause like, as you guys can tell, I'm kind of like an optimist. I'm an optimist. I'm too happy. I smile a lot. It doesn't, it doesn't go over well in a lot of, uh, a lot of scenarios in the army. So even my buddies are like, God damn it, Ken, just <laughs> shut up. So I'm like, this is great. And everyone's like, dude, this sucks. And I'm like, I just like the outdoor stuff, you know, yeah. outdoor kind of getting. You're like, I got a, I got a pack on we're hiking. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's for 20 miles with an 80 pound rucksack, but I'm outside. I'm hiking. Nobody cares. And, you know, maybe it's, you know, also too, I'm not coming from active. So maybe my entire mindset would be different if I had done, you know, 15 years of active or something. I might be like, F that I'm never hiking again. Uh, but I'm just, an, I'm just, you know, I'm a weekend warrior. So when I get to do those drills once a month, I kind of look forward to them when we get to go out to the field and shoot and hike around and kind of play army. So yeah, it's uh it's something that I'm, it's a decision I'm really happy with. Um, and I also like, I, I've always liked when I've worked for just other companies, um, uh, I've always liked starting at the lowest level to an extent. I know that sounds weird, but I always like to kind of be down with the guys that are doing like the, the front end work, like the frontline stuff. And then if I'm going to like move up, I like to start just at that very kind of get my hands dirty position. That's just kind of like who I am. It's almost like where I prefer. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I'm the same way. I, it's a long time ago. I worked for Oakley and, uh, I tried to do the same thing and my boss had, uh, a different idea. So <laughs> the, the thanks I got for starting at the bottom was a, a nice, uh, talking to after about 10 months. Um, you can either quit or we're going to fire you. So have a nice day. <laughs> but outside of that, I think that's a good way to go. I think starting at the bottom, cause you know, all the procedures, you know, all the processes. And I, I think, I think that's a good trait. Uh, yeah. Not, you know where things are broken. And yeah. then when you get in a position to fix things, you can actually fix them. You're not just showing up overseeing a bunch of dudes in a company where you're like, I don't know what the issues are, yeah. how things are supposed to go. And um, I think, of course, I, it's like you get to a level in life where you transfer positions. You might yeah. not start as you know a part-time Walmart worker. You might get offered a yeah. corporate position there. You're probably not going to go back, but I, yeah, think, I builds, think there's a lot of value. In yeah. And it builds respect with your team too. You know, they know that you came up kind of with them and I think it makes it easier to, to take on that leadership at some point. Cause it's like, Hey man, I was one of you. I know what the deal is. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that. I think a lot of people think they're entitled to start at the top, you know, which definitely usually definitely. doesn't turn out well, but no, it doesn't because you can, I mean, I think everyone's worked with someone like that, that just kind of operates from kind of an entitled perspective. And it, yeah. it, 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 there's an attitude behind it. And it's a, it's a big turnoff to everyone they're overseeing or everyone they're interacting with. Cause you're like, come on, man, like roll, roll your sleeves up and, and do some work with the rest of us, you know? Yeah. So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but um one of the things I really like about your company is you're making your products in the United States. 
Yeah. So can we talk, I know maybe you're kind of out of order, but can we talk about that a little bit? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important so, goal, I, but how, how difficult has that been to source American made products? It's been really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was especially in the clothing industry, like the just, there are very few companies that actually provide blank American made products where you can actually do your own designs on screen print on cut and sew, et cetera. Um, I had no idea how difficult this would be. I was like American made products. That's fine. Yeah. There's a couple companies off the top of my head. When I first was thinking about it, I was like American apparel, like that's one I'll look into it. They have hardly any SKUs that are actually American made. Um, it's, I had to jump from company to company, calling, contacting people. Um, when I did find companies, I had big problems with minimums because they were like, oh, we only work with like bigger clients. So your minimums, you know, a thousand. And I'm like, I'm just starting off. Can I order like 50? They're like, no. <laughs> so I have finally, just through persistence, I have been able to find some good companies. Um, good. If anyone's interested, Royal Apparel is probably the best American made clothing company that I've been able to find. They have a pretty limited uh, selection of products, mm -hmm. but the products are awesome. They're awesome. They're American made. Um, they're out of Northern California, actually. Um, okay. They do they do an awesome job. Um, that's Very been cool. the best clothing um, American made company that I've been able to actually work with. So we get all the blanks from them. Okay. And then we actually print and do a lot of the sewing right here in Utah. So that's awesome. That's um, very cool. The headwear side of, uh, of our, of our business has yet to emerge. Um, we finally found a guy that was willing to work with us in Texas. They okay. actually, I don't know what his relationship is with the NRA, but he does some of the hats for the NRA. And I literally called him and he told me what his minimums were. And I was like, listen, man, I was like, I'm just starting off. We're American made. Like, can you work with us? And he was like, sure, I'll, I'll give you a shot. So I, I think, uh, if you're going to go the American made route, I think it's really important because it supports the economy on a domestic level. Right. Um, you really can see like where the product is being made, who's making it, who that's supporting in the entire chain of like the local, the real local chain on that domestic level, you're seeing it all. And it, it, there's something about it. That's awesome. Um, you just knowing who you're supporting and why you're supporting them. Um, and especially when you have big like shipping delays, like a lot of people are experiencing yeah. in, the, in the country right now. Um, in regards to a lot of products, we're not affected by that, which is awesome. Yeah, so it's awesome. like that. Yeah. So, uh, I, it, the American made route is hard. Um, and I understand why it's really difficult for a lot of, a lot of good companies to like not pursue the American made because it's like, it's just a lot of it's not available. A lot of people want to carry things that like, right. there's certain products that just are not made here at all. So I get it, but I think making that effort to make a change on a small level, like we are, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of industries as, as times change move towards that American made. Yeah. And that should be a bipartisan thing. You know, it really, it really should be because supporting companies and businesses on a local level is awesome. Buying American made is awesome because it feels good. It feels good to, you know, be proud about things that are made here. So it's a, uh, I see that as being a very uniting topic for everyone. And you know, I, really I feel like, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I kind of feel like the tide is turning a little bit. And I think, especially with COVID and I think with the world, the way it is, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like more and more companies are providing American made goods, you know, cause I, I pay attention to labels too. And I hope the trend continues. I hope people understand that it's one thing for companies to make it, but people have to buy it. And I think that's where some of this gets lost. It's like, yeah, you want American made goods, but, you have to be the one to buy it. You know, it, it takes two. Mm -hmm. You got to make it and people have to buy it. And, 
yeah, you might you might pay a little more at first, but the more people that buy American-made goods, the more suppliers are going to come into the pipeline and the price is going to come down. So it's kind of, it may be a slow start, but I, that's why I love what you're doing because it's like, you're getting the ball rolling. You know, the more people that make their stuff here, the more American-made goods are out in the market and it's going to bring the cost down because now more companies are going to be producing, more suppliers are going to be domestic. Um, and especially, with, like you said, with the supply chains, we may not have a choice. You know, there's there's certain things that, absolutely should be made here you know some of our medicines and stuff that are made overseas like that that's insane to me you know i mean a t-shirt yeah, that's like thing. a national security but, issue i mean really yeah. think about it that's I, and insane I hope, yeah. I hope people are waking up to that um so whatever it is if you're listening buy american <laughs> so you know no matter what just buy american you're going to spend a little more but that money stays in our economy and it helps so many people down the, down the chain um it's you're, you're really, you never know who you're helping because all that money stays here and it helps countless people down the, down the supply chain, which I think I've kind of beat that horse to death, but you guys get what I'm saying, but that's why I like, yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it, it is hard. I mean, like going, there's a couple companies I contacted initially and they were like, they pretty much told me good luck. They're like, that's not going to, it's not something that we're going to be able to help you out with. It's just, they, it's too, they told me my route was just, they're like, it's too hard. They're like, it's not going to work out. So and I was like, okay, wow. I'm like, we'll be working with these guys. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of my vetting process in the beginning was looking for like the companies I was going to go for. I was looking for, um, I was looking for enthusiasm, like more so like, Hey, we get it. You're small, but like, we like what you're trying to do. And we're, we're willing to help, help you come up with a solution as yeah. opposed to going, mm, that's going to be hard. When, when I got that response, I already knew like immediately on the phone, if someone was like, I don't know, man, that's going to be, I'm like, nope. I'm like, I know it's going to be hard. I'm just looking for people that, you know, the guys that I, that I work with now, the first response was like, Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I think we can do that. Yeah. I think we can work something out. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. Cause that's it's like, cool. anyone can tell me it's going to be hard. I just need someone that's going to be like, how are we going to make it work? I mean, a big part of my company, I think really is uh, linked from, I think that my army service, even though it's small compared to, I'm sure a lot of people listening, I think a lot of it, like basic training did a lot more for me than I thought it could. And from a leadership perspective, from kind of like figuring out my own personal downfalls and my strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. I felt, um, I think coming into basic training, I felt more confident about who I was, if that makes sense. I know that sounds like maybe a little cliche, but like I came out of basic training kind of like really seeing a clear path to wanting to start this business. Um, and it just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost unexplainable because people always ask, you know, it's like, I have a bunch of buddies like, dude, how was basic training? I'm like, I just can't even like, I can't really describe it. You know, like the, the army experience, probably any branch of the military is just, uh, it's, it's a unique thing that like dudes relate to if they've done it. And if they haven't done it, it's really difficult to explain. Um, but it's, yeah, it's something that I went, man, I should have done that when I was 18, not when I was 30, cause I could have benefited from a way earlier age. I'm really glad I did it now, but I was like, I could have, that would have been really, really good for me when I was 18 years old. You know, you make a great point. My son and I, now, when we have conversations, it, like he's heard me tell every dumb army story on the planet probably 50 times, right? He, he kind of, oh, whatever, dad. Yeah. I heard about you and your buddies, you know, jumping out of whatever. Right. Um, but he, now though, he'll, he'll call me and he'll, he'll say something that, you know, 25 years ago was the same thing that I was complaining about as a private. And now he's, he's, 
I, I was talking to a platoon sergeant, my old platoon sergeant, um, a sergeant major, retired sergeant major. I was telling him, he, he called me and said, hey, how's Tyson doing? And I said, funny thing. I said, he, he just called me and was complaining about X, Y, and Z. And I go, you remember in 1998 when we were complaining about X, Y, and Z? Like, in, it, it is. It's If you haven't done it, you can't, it's hard to relate to it. It's hard to explain it to somebody. I mean, you can tell people love our army stories and our Marine stories and the war stories. People love that stuff. But it, when you look at another guy, that's, that's, you know, chewed in the same dirt and, and, you know, pulled the same guard duty and stuff, guys, it's just a different thing. You can kind of go, Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, bro. You know, but it's, it's, it's unexplainable that natural bond that all veterans have, except for the air force. But the, I'm joking. My dad was a 20, 20 plus year air force vet. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it is, it's a different language. It's a different, just understanding of a mentality um, that I think generally it's not, you know, I, the military wasn't, it wasn't the same for everybody, clearly, right? But I also don't think, while the majority of us can relate and are part of a brother and sisterhood that can't be taken from us, there are some people that it didn't, you know, it's that, I know some guy, I know a guy here in town that he doesn't want to be identified as a veteran. He hated it, thought it was a waste of time didn't do the same thing, but generally I think what you're saying is, is completely accurate, man. It's like, it's just a brotherhood, you know, kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I, you see so many like vets go into small businesses or, or so many entrepreneurs that start their own businesses. And I really do think that has a lot to do with just the kind of the baseline. Um, and, and let me know if your experience is different, but like, across all of my like military interactions, really what it comes down to is like, there's such a good like direction in regards to how you approach problems that the army and the military kind of make you think about problems differently, just in the sense that like, this isn't, it's not rocket science, but you're like, every time you think of a problem, you don't just go complain to your chain of command. Like, it's like, if you're that guy, it's not gonna work out very well. But if you can identify a problem, and then have a solution paired with it, like, then the sky is the freaking limit. Like, it really is. So it's like, it, it kind of, like, I think, adjusted my personality a little bit in a way coming out where I was like, every time I'm thinking about problems, all I am is just a complainer that no one wants to hear if I don't have a solution. So it's oh, like, dude, you, just, you just hit the nail on the head. I, you know, I, I'm currently managing a, a screen printing and embroidery shop. And, and I I, we had somebody that it was a constant complaint, right? It's always, this is wrong. This is wrong. And I finally sat this person down and I said, Hey, look, I, I appreciate it. We all got to bitch and complain sometimes. Right. But yeah. I'm starting to lose respect for your perspective. What, what do you think we should do different? Blank stare. I said, do you see my point? You know, if you're coming in here every day and you're telling me this is wrong, this, we need to do that. Well, okay. That's great. Clearly you're not just having a bitch fest about a bad day. You have serious issues with the way we run this shop. Now come at me. You know, I, I don't want 
I would rather hear somebody come in and go, you know what, this, the way we uh, organize the fridge in the break room is terrible. Here's six, here's six ways. I think that would be better, right? Come with, come with solutions. It's such yeah. a different, it is. It, and I do, I agree with you hundred percent. I got that from the military because your sergeant or whoever doesn't want to hear you constantly complaining in there and they instill in you to have, to be a free thinker in, in a sense, Free thinking in the army is actually not, that's two words we shouldn't put together, but in a sense, problem solve and think outside the box on the fly and in a high pressure situation. Now, you know, clearly combat's a little bit different than selling t-shirts or manufacturing whatever, but you know, that same problem, you know, like you said, approaching problems with solutions and trying to solve those problems rather than dishing them off or just complaining constantly is a, is a great, but if you don't have that, uh, if you don't have that mindset, it's going to be difficult to be an entrepreneur. You got to get into that mindset real quick that you, you know, I'm starting this company and I've hit these six brick walls. Cause that's what you hit is brick wall after brick wall after brick yeah. wall. Okay. So how do I pivot? How do I maneuver? How do I come up with a solution? Who do I call? Do I rely on some friends? Do I call, you know, there's all kinds of resources out there that you can rely on and turn to, to solve those problems. But it, if you're just going to sit there and go, I, my, my mind turns off when I talk to somebody that goes, Oh yeah, man, I really want to start my business, but, but I can't do this. And it's this, and it's, you know, it's always, Tuesday night and it's raining and you know and then I don't wow wow like okay I, it turns me off like I don't even want to give you advice I don't even want to kind of help you you know but if you're positive you're optimistic like clearly you are the you know you you really it, it just it's a better way to approach starting and running a business I think oh definitely yeah I I think uh just having that having that experience, like, it's not like I didn't have that before to an extent, just through work experience, but there, there was something very unique about that military experience that, uh, I don't know, I, maybe it just sharpened those skills and made things a little bit more clear to me and how I was kind of like my, my personal interactions with how I was addressing problems that maybe I was only aware of, et cetera. Um, and with other people and just moving forward and kind of moving through the, uh, the fluff. But I totally agree with you. I think, uh, it's, as human beings, we can make excuses. Everyone can make excuses about their particular situation. Like that is not like that. That's not something that's difficult to do. Like we can all do that. You know, like if it's like, if you meet a guy that's always tired, like, Oh, I don't know, man, I'm just really tired today. And I'm just, I'm like, dude, we're all tired. We're all tired. We all got a million things on our minds going on behind the scenes or, or work, whatever it might be. But you got to, yeah, staying positive and, and, and pushing forward and, and uh, yeah, coming up with solutions. I think it's just the biggest thing. Even if your solution sucks, at least you can try it yeah. and then know that it sucks so you can move on to the next thing. And that 100% being an entrepreneur is, uh, yeah, that's something you have to get used to. Exactly what you said, the brick walls. That's been pretty, that's been pretty difficult for me, honestly, is uh, over this past year, even before I launched the business, because you know, obviously I've been working on it for a long time. Um, it's, it felt like I, I took things way too heavy when things did not work out. Um, and I think being able to be not totally numb, numb might not be the right word, but desensitize in a way that I'm like, every time I hit a downfall, 
it doesn't like personally affect me in my mood. I'm just constantly looking for the next solution or the next, or the next way to move on now. So I think it's been a really good just exercise in me being, you know, a, a more disciplined person in general too. That's awesome. And I think what we're talking about, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, with military training, it's almost like it becomes subconscious, you know, cause in the military, especially in combat and infantry, you can't really think about what you have to do. You just have to know what to do instinctively. And whether it's combat or business, when you come to that adversity, the more you train yourself, however you're going to do it, the more you're going to react subconsciously and having that knowledge and having that, that ability, I think really is a huge stress reliever, no matter what you're doing, because instead of worrying in the moment, what do I do? What do I do? You just know. And it's, it's really interesting to talk about because combat military service business, there are so many parallels because you have to anticipate, you have to anticipate the enemy, but you also have to anticipate your market. You have to know what tools you have in your arsenal. Like it's, it's so similar. It's, it's really uncanny. And, you know, that's why I think a lot of military people are successful because they're accustomed to anticipating those problems. They can't just sit back. They're not, it's a difference between someone, you know, collecting the paycheck and just being an entrepreneur, you know, you're anticipating problems. You want to move forward. You know, it's like, how do I move forward? What are the potential roadblocks I might come across? And it's, I don't think we can really, we can stress that enough. So if you're out there listening, enlist in the military because you're going to learn a lot, (laughs) but being part of being a part of something larger than yourself really has a lot of benefit in a lot of areas in life. And I wish more people would do that. I wish more people were like you. I really do. Cause you're, you're doing an awesome job. You're setting a great example. It's, I, I love everything you're saying. So my hat's, hats I appreciate off. That, man. And I, I feel like I haven't, you know, obviously compared to so many people, like, it's like, I'm just, I'm really, I'm just in the national guard. Um, I haven't not, not to dock the national guard. Cause a lot of dudes have done some crazy stuff in the national guard service wise, combat wise, but me personally, you know, I've been in for oh, coming up on two years now. Um, but the service side of things has been really, I think just rewarding, like you said, being a part of the community, yeah. knowing that, that, you know, I've committed myself to like, and it sounds cliche, but like a higher calling in the sense yeah. that I'm like, dude, my community relies on me and I train to have the skills equipped to help people if they need my help in my country. So yeah. that's something that I think, uh, you know, I think that I, I think our society and like from a cultural standpoint, we could all do better about that regards to just maybe like raising our kids or telling that story. I don't know if that's something, I don't know if that's something just through parenting styles or school, et cetera, but it would be nice. I think like to have that, you know, communicated kind of across the board. Cause I think I would have joined a lot sooner had that been the thing. I kind of came to all of this, uh, you know, I kind of wonder, I'm like, if my brother hadn't served, like, would I still have found myself joining the military? And I, I think I would have, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that was there. Um, that little nag in the back of my head was, was sitting there like, well, if you can do it and prove it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think if that was more part of our culture, that, that service part of our culture uh, from the time we were all kids kind of growing up, I, I think you'd see a lot more people willing and wanting to, you know, shave their hair, <laughs> shave all their hair down to their shoulders and, and do, I do miss my hair though. I'm not going to lie. I thought my wife was going to divorce me when I, when I cut my hair, cause she'd only known long hair dreams. Yeah. Um, well, then I cut it and she's like, oh, I kind of like this. And I was like, okay, sweet. This is going to come my hair a long time ago then. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, yeah, but you know, I, I, you can't be too hard on yourself because honestly, you're doing, you know, you said only the National Guard, but you're still doing something that a lot of people won't do nowadays, you know, which is in a way kind of sad, but 
you know, I think looking back in, in throughout history, military history, anyway, you know, a lot of the people that have done the most amazing things were, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say this in a, in a, in a wrong way, but they felt kind of like you did, like they were just the, the average soldier, right? They were the average Marine. But then when the time came, you know, they stepped up, you know, I think of like Kyle Carpenter, uh, who's one of the, in case you don't know, he's Marine that jumped on a grenade to save a couple yeah. other Marines. And, uh, he died a few times on the <laughs> evacuation. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he would describe himself the same way. You know, he, I don't think he would say he's anything special. He was just there and he did what Marines do. And, you know, I think it's that mindset that's, that's really special. You know, I think it's really, really widespread in the military where nobody really feels like they're special, but at the same time, everyone's capable of, of stepping up, you know, when they need to. Um, and just like you, like, not only are you serving in the military, but you're starting a business, you know, you're contributing in so many ways that even though you don't feel like you're doing, you're doing that much, you really are. Cause you're setting an example, right? You're on the show, you're talking to people, you're starting a business, you're serving the military, you know, you're, you're doing everything right. You're doing everything you can. And it's, it's really commendable. So please, you know, don't, uh, don't be too hard on yourself. So James, we ask all of our guests, uh, a question at the end of the of the show um if you could give a piece of advice to anybody out there that's listening uh you know one piece of advice for somebody that maybe wants to start a business or make a change in their life in any aspect of their life what would that piece of advice be i would say you need to and i i tell myself this all the time i think in order to be if you're serious about any goal whether it's a fitness goal, um, a business goal, whatever it may be, you have to make it like, you have to make it a required part of your life. When I say required, I mean, like you, we need to sleep as humans. It's, we need sleep to function at some point. We need to eat as humans. We need that to function at some point. If it's not like you need to breathe it, like then it's not going to be something that happens for you. Like you have to make it like the, the business or, or your fitness goal, whatever it is, it has to be a living, breathing thing that you are constantly contributing to because it requires it. You're like, no, I, I have no other option. I also, that, that's kind of intertwined with that mentality. Making whatever your goal is, go, that's my goal and there's no other option but to reach it because there's no other way. So when things happen, there's no outs. There's no like, oh, it's fine. Well, I can just do this instead. Like my business failed. So that means I can take a right turn and go this way or a left turn and go this way. It's like, no. You picked one route and there is no, there's no other roads. Like there's only one way it's all forward. So I think making it, I know some people have probably heard that before, but it's, I found so much truth in it. If you give yourself backup plans, you need to erase the backup plans. I mean, I'm not saying in an irresponsible fashion, you know, like I have a kid, et cetera, but I'm saying in the sense that like you, you just can't give yourself outs because if you make that a possibility, then you might as well just jump to them immediately because that's what's going to happen because you're going to hit hardships. Everyone yeah. does. Every successful business does even. So it's like, if you're going to take that route, you just decide what road you're going to take and, and take it. But yeah, no alternate routes. You just have to commit. Well said. Well said. Very cool. I love it. Well, Hey, before we go, uh, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, give them one last time, one last pitch, and then uh, we'll sign off the night. Yeah, so you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, at Rogue White Blue. That's R-O-G-U-E, White Blue. Um, RogueWhiteBlue.com as well. Um, we're on there. Got a bunch of really cool stuff. I appreciate any support. 
but it's just been awesome being on here talking to you guys. I seriously, I've enjoyed it. So. Yeah. Likewise. It's been awesome, but we really appreciate it. And like I said, I've, I know I've said a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. I love your story. I love what you're doing. Um, love everything about the company. So I wish you the, the best of success. Um, and I know you're going to, I know you're going to kick ass. So thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Looking forward to seeing you up in Utah uh, next month. So. Absolutely. I'd I'd look forward to introducing you to my brand. Have you heard about my brand? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Very nice. We're a patriotic outdoor company. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Go for it. Cool. All right. With that, this is uh, Brian signing off for Ben. This is the uh, Nothing Look Podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.